This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, so you asked me when we got in my office, dropped off your stuff, what inspired Bourbon and a Buddy? And, and literally, the only reason I started this podcast was to have an excuse to drink whiskey or something yeah. at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. So Jenna Duddleston, yeah. cheers, um, Buffalo Trace. Buff- love a good do you buff- like Buffalo Trace. I do. Yeah, good stuff. So that just—I'm gonna sound like a like a major alcoholic, but that just hits so much different at 11:09 on a Wednesday than it, it would at 5:30. It does, and it—it's hitting me a little different because I drank a lot of bourbon last night. Did you? What were you drinking? Um. Brothers Bond, and then I and then a little bit of Angels Envy, but basically Brothers Bond bourbon. Angels Envy is getting harder and harder to find, and the price keeps skyrocketing. The price keeps going up. They used to have it like the the store that I go to, like the, the my my closest store, always had it, and now it's like you're lucky if there's one on the shelf. Okay, hold on. Why are you going to a liquor store to buy anything? when you should be taking advantage of bourbon and whiskey distributors with your family's bar, Shinnick's. That should be the case. Um, Shockingly, we don't have a lot of people there who like drinking it or we just don't offer it. It's kind of just a beer and throw back a shot of JMO kind of place. Okay, so I would love to have that, though, because that's like when I go out now, I don't I don't drink a lot like as much as I used to. So when I go out, I just want whiskey. That That's bar it. has been in your family since 19, 1938? 1938. Same, like, great-grandfather to mm-hmm. grandfather to your parents. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, it's my so it's my mom and her eight siblings um, own and operate the bar. They took over about 30 years ago, maybe a little, yeah, about 30 years ago. And uh, it's crazy. Like, I just, I thought going to a bar after school was normal. <laughs> it's not. It was my daycare. <laughs> oh my god! What's that like? Like you first, the first time you have to tell your teacher where you're going after school, or the first time that comes up, like, oh yeah, no, I'm just going, I'm going to the bar. Shockingly, grade school it wasn't weird because um, I was down the block. Okay, like the bar was down the block from my grade school and my church, so the, it's like they knew. So it's like when you grow up in an environment where everyone knows it's not weird. It probably wasn't until I went to college that people are like, you did what? And I was like, well, what did you do after school? So that's the 38th and Union. Yep. Where do you fall on the neighborhood breakups? Do you call that Bridgeport? Do you call it it's McKinley Bridgeport. Park? Do you call it Canaryville? It's Bri- oh, oh, well, so 
Bridgeport, it's Bridgeport. Canaryville is just uh, south, south of Pershing, south of Pershing yeah. Okay. And uh, if you were to ask any person from Canaryville, it's like, no, like, this is Canaryville. This is Bridgeport. We coexist well together. That was not always the case okay. many years ago. Yeah. But everyone gets along well, and we've just learned that we all like, you know, to have a good time. So we just choose to do it together. What's that like growing up on the South Side? Because I consider myself a Chicagoan now, mm-hmm. but I had the both fortune and misfortune of growing up in frickin' Schaumburg, like Northwest Burbs, okay. Irish Catholic Northwest Burbs, yeah. but still like, you know, Woodfield Mall and strip malls and stuff like that. And I, I don't go back anymore. I mm-hmm. don't like going back. I prefer my parents to come down here. Yeah. But we grew up 45 minutes from each other, mm-hmm. probably with a completely different upbringing. Very, very. Um, God, I don't even know how to start this. Well, okay. Um, so my mom is one of nine siblings. Okay, yeah. big family. Out of the nine growing up, seven lived in a five block radius with the bar in that five block radius. So being constantly around family was normal. I could walk down any street and still can to this day. And I know someone who lives on every block. And my parents taught me that if God God forbid anything were to happen to me as I'm out with friends, this is who you go to. This is Mrs. and Mr. So-and-so, or you know this person. Run up on their door and knock on their door if, God forbid, anything ever happens. And so there was this sense of, like, true community that, you know, I just always had. And I didn't realize that people didn't have it. And I always say living on the South Side is the best of both worlds because I'm— it took me 15 minutes to get here, but— so I'm in the city, but I have a small town lifestyle where people know everyone. People look out for each other, you know, um, like seeing the neighborhood come together for people when like times are tough. If it's death, sickness, um, it, people rally together in a way that like it's just always been normal to me. And, you know, we would go out as kids like, all right, mom, we're going out and hanging out on the corner. We're going to play kickball or we're going to, you know, just run around the block. And it was fine. And, you know, as you get older and you start drinking with friends and you're not supposed to drink, you drink in spots. So we had like yeah. the G-Lot, which is literally White Sox parking yeah. lots, G-Lot. We would set up a, you know, fire pit there and just be like, all right, oh, yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'd uh, my buddy Damo would bring a fire pit. He was in charge of the fire. I mean, by no means was there like wood. It was literally like cardboard boxes yeah. of yeah, the yeah. beer that we would light the fire. But, you know, we went. In the snow, we didn't care. That was the best way. The beer stayed cold. Um, and then we would have different spots, like by train tracks. Um, what was that one? That one was 39th. Then there was No Name. There was the trailers. There was Canal Spot. We had many drinking spots. And, we, and those aren't, like, people unfamiliar, those aren't bars. You're, those you're are not, not saying bars. the name of bars. No. You're just naming different places <laughs> yes. in the neighborhood. Yes. Different parking lots. And, yes. See, we had... Messino baseball field, and that's the only place we went. Okay. It was right across the street from, and not to drink. I'm very, like, I drink a lot now. Yeah. I didn't drink till I was 21. I didn't drink until Terrifying. I was 18. As Is it like I was a very serious, committed athlete once upon a time? Mm-hmm. So I was always the fun, like, DD, and I just liked being around my friends. I didn't, like, I didn't feel the need to drink until I got really drunk one time when I was 18. <laughs> Good times. I, I got what, what What inspired that? Uh, it was a party. It was a house party. Um, I think it was someone's, oh, it was my girlfriend's birthday. So I finally was like, I guess we'll pop the lid off. Do you remember what it was? I probably drank like Bud Light. I don't even, yeah, but I I was, I was drunk and then my mom called me and, 
she asked me the name of this person and I was like, who is that? And it was my friend's mother, which I knew, but my drunken mind didn't know. Yeah. Was not I was not a smooth criminal in my early phases of doing this, but now it's a little better. My first drinking experience, this is incredibly depressing, so okay. <laughs> be ready. Like I said, I didn't drink. My my father was a Marine. I grew up under that like strict lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Great upbringing. It, like he wasn't a mean Marine or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We were great, but I respected him too much to drink underage because he told me don't drink underage. So I didn't. Fair. Unfortunately, that means when you do start drinking, you have no idea how to do it. Mm. This is like three weeks after my grandfather had died. Went back to the suburbs. I was already living downtown. Went to a house party. And there was somebody running out to get booze and said, hey, what do you guys want? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, um, I guess I'll just do like Jameson or something like that. They're like, how much do you want? Do you want like a bottle? You're going to split it up? You want, oh, do you want it bottles? neat? Do you want it on the rocks? Do exactly. you want it mixed with something? Yeah. So I said, just a bottle of Jameson because I thought that's what you drink, right? Yeah. You drink a bottle of Jameson. Oh my so God. I <laughs> proceeded over the next three hours to drink an entire bottle of Jameson mixed with ginger ale. Not knowing that that's not what you're supposed to do. No. That doesn't work Yeah, for, what, 220, six foot 220? Like, I can't take down a bottle of Jameson. So I was sick for three days. My dad had to come pick me up from my friend's house. My mom didn't talk to me for like a week. But I had the excuse of, I'm mourning grandpa. I'm mourning grandpa right now. And how old? You said you were 20? Are you- 21. Okay, yeah. 21. Yeah, it was a... Uh, July or August of the year I turned 21. So my mom had a rule with us drinking because it was kind of like, again, I grew up around alcohol. So I always saw alcohol as like a, um, like a social thing. And, but, but I'm again, like, it's kind of crazy for as large as my family is no one is an alcoholic, which is like very rare. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, very. um, but we've seen it in such a way of like coming together you know, in just being with each other, that that was the way I always viewed alcohol was like, you're going to have a fun time. We're going to do all this. It's going to be great. But obviously, like you do know people like I know people, friends, um, family friends who like struggle with that. But my mom's rule growing up is like, okay, you're going to drink. I get that. This is my rule. I don't know if she's either going to love this or hate that I'm telling this story. I don't really care. Sorry, mom. Um, It was drink beer, no hard liquor. That okay. was the rule because that's fine. And I and it was like, you know what? If you're gonna let me do this and let me come home, like little bust, okay, yeah. I can follow that rule. So, and that, is, that was as the long rule. as it kind of like that thing, you know, if you're gonna drink, I'd rather you do it under my roof, kind of thing. Exactly. I, I had a lot of friends with parents that grew up like that. But yeah. I just, it's um, I I tend to look at it the same way that it's. It's community, it's mm-hmm. social, it's memories, yep. and that's what I attach all these things to. But one of my best memories, speaking of Buffalo Trace, mm-hmm. went to Nashville with some friends uh, this past, what, Labor Day weekend, past September? Okay. And uh, we were coming back, and I convinced them that the Buffalo Trace distillery was it's on the way home. It's on the way home from Nashville to Chicago. Nah. So we took three hours out of the way to go to Buffalo Trace, did the distillery tour, <laughs> Got a couple like allocated bottles and love that, and right back to Chicago. But those extra hours in the car, mm-hmm. just talking to friends, that you know, that's where some of the best conversations are. So I got I got three more hours out of out of that conversation. Oh yeah, you said you're an athlete. Yep, we're an athlete. Mm-hmm. I know you know. In preparation, I'm going deep dive through your podcast and stuff like that. Yeah, you got hurt pretty bad. Yeah, 
and that kind of changed your identity, I'm assuming. You grew up an athlete. Mm -hmm. You grew up doing all those things, all the sports, want to do it as a, as a profession, as a career when you're done, and it's taken all away from you. Yeah. What's that like, your identity completely changing? It's hard to talk about because in the moment, you feel like no one can relate because the people that I was around were still athletes. They were still enjoying the college best four years of your life, where to me it was, well, that doesn't exist. Like, that's gone. Like, the best four years of my life, like, that, we're just, we're here to go to school now, like, was kind of what it became, and we're here to work. But I think it, um, it's weird, because I have this saying where it's like, you don't know if what's happening to you is the best or worst thing ever. I like that. And in the moment, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. But my dad had this saying, and he said it, and it kind of was like beating down a dead horse, but I said it every morning when I woke up after my injury, after getting released. Um, I was like, everything happens for a reason. I don't know that reason now. I don't have to know that reason now, but one day it's going to make sense. But like, you just have to keep pushing along. So in the moment, it was weird because I, like, I didn't know who I was because you think that that's like... That was all I've ever known. Like, I'm 20 years old. You know, that's been my identity since I was like a child. So now who am I? What is my worth? What is my value if it's not winning games, winning awards, helping lead my team to championships? Like, what what does that look like now moving forward? And I didn't know. So it was... Um, I don't want to say sad, but it was like a dark time. It was just a very dark time in my life where I closed myself off from a lot of people um, because I didn't know how to talk about it. I also like didn't even realize that like there was like I had like I don't want to say traumatic, but it's like I had like some life altering things happening to me and I needed to figure out what's like what's next. But I didn't know how to communicate it because no one teaches you at a young age, like, you know, this is how you process anger. This is how you process sadness. This is what this looks like. You need to talk about this. So I just did. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. What the Irish do very well. Sweep everything under the sweep rug. Sweep everything until under that the rug, rug. Gets up to the ceiling. And then you just suppress it. Ugh. And one day it was like I just it just snapped. And I was like, I can't do this. Like this is I can see the path I'm going down and it's not healthy. I'm never gonna be I'm never gonna get the job I want. I'm never gonna be in a healthy relationship. I'm never gonna have a healthy relationship with myself. Um so like we gotta we gotta change some shit if we ever want to do what you want to do because you're not doing this pity fucking party for the rest of your life. What was rock bottom? Rock bottom was at a wedding in Minnesota for, I I ended up after my freshman year, I transferred to a school up in Minnesota. It was the greatest people I've ever been with in my entire life. And it was exactly where I needed to be at that moment. I needed to be reminded that there were good people left in the world because I didn't think there were my freshman year of college. So I go to Minnesota and a few days, maybe weeks prior, I had I could feel the like it like to visualize it. It's like debris was like coming up to the surface on the shoreline. Sure. And I was like, OK, well, what is this? Like, I don't know what this is, but like I need to talk about this. And it was all these feelings that I had suppressed. And I had talked to my best friend, who was my old roommate, um, one of my former college teammates. Like, you know, how have you processed this? Are you processing it? We never talked about it. We need to talk about this. Um and I think I just, you know, for the longest time I became the funny girl because that was easy and I was always sad and I didn't want people to ever feel sadness. Like self-deprecation almost? Oh, yeah. yeah. All, all the time. All sure. the time. And the rock bottom was being at that wedding, having all of these feelings come up at a wedding, being surrounded by the people that made me feel safe and made me feel happy once. So I think it was a place where they were able to come up and it sounds weird like it's my my coach's wife said to me she goes you know Jenna we've had a lot of girls come and go through a program but you leaving was the hardest and I was like I just got chills a little bit for you yeah oh my gosh yeah so I was like wow excuse me and I went outside and I called my mom and I just lost it and I felt bad because I could hear my mom was at a party with her girlfriends. And I was like, this is not the call you need to get, but I need to talk to you. And I was just like, mom, I'm not okay. And I haven't been okay for a really long time and I need help. And she's like, we will figure it out when you get home. And I came home. Uh, my cousin recommended a therapist to me. And then that's where that began. So rock bottom was a great place to confront everything that I swept under the rug. So that was my next. In a way, that rock bottom was the was everything you needed. One hundred percent. Everything you needed was your lowest point. Yep. And that was going to be my next question. Do you go to therapy? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing this, the same therapist from then? So we. It's so weird. There, like I love therapy, and I know I love that we're in an era right now where everyone talks about it. Um, this is what I say about therapy. One. Don't go just because all of your friends are going. Right. Don't go because it's the it's the trendy thing right now. Go because you want to put in the work and it's not pretty work. You need to be willing to put in the work. However, that being said, go at your pace. I don't go to therapy anymore. Um, my therapist and I 
like I went, God, I think it was like maybe four, we, we, it was like four years. I went for a really long time. And then towards the end, it was like, you know, come in when you feel we need to talk about some things. Sure. And then it, it was like, she was like, okay, Jenna, you're ready. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean I'm ready? And she's like, we've done everything that you've wanted to work on. You have the tools in your toolbox now. Um, like it felt like a mama bird letting her baby bird fly from the nest, you know? So uh, I still talk to her from time to time. I, I sent her that that podcast and I was like, I finally did it. I finally talked about it. And I was like, and it was a big credit to you. So thank you for everything that you've done for me. Um, so I don't go to therapy anymore, but I, I'm at a point within myself where I have the tools and I know how to like, conf- like if I, if I have things coming up, I don't do the Irish way anymore. I don't suppress them. I'm like, okay. I'm feeling a little anxious right now and we need to talk about this. And why do you feel this way, Jenna? Let's, let's work our, let's work through this. So that's where I'm at now with it. But I mean, that, that therapy door is always open. We'll say the be- the best term or, or, or phrase that I've, I've heard to describe that kind of being able to find the solutions on your own mm-hmm. is like you're holding a TV remote, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever, ever, if you've ever had a therapist that uses that analogy Mm-mm. where you can press whatever button on that remote to change the television channel, Ooh. to change the way you're feeling in that moment or how you're looking at that situation. I am still in therapy, still, in, not not that long, few, uh, maybe a little over a year. It took me a while to get there. Yeah. It's, that, it's that Irish Catholic uh, guilt kind of feeling where, yep. no, that can't help me. Whatever whatever problems I'm having are going to go away with time. Yeah. I'm going to ignore the problem for now. Mm-hmm. And then as long as you ignore something, it's not there. Yeah. But- then everything hits at once, right? Yep. And you explode mm-hmm. and you go off on people that don't deserve it and you shut people out of your life that don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Starting to go to therapy made me a, a, a very, I don't know, self-aware person and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a great it's, thing. It's, it, it is a great thing. It's a great thing over time. It's not a great thing in the moment. It's a hard thing in the moment. A very hard thing in the moment. Realizing that or seeing yourself the way that people likely see you mm-hmm. is one of the hardest things that you can you can go through mm-hmm. kind of looking at yourself from a bird's eye view and therapist pointing out things to you that you don't want to hear yeah I don't want to hear from you Melissa that I solve everything with self-deprecation first of all it's not solving anything but it suppresses it in the moment right yep. I wish people didn't move away from therapy in that moment mm-hmm so many people walk away. I don't need this. I don't need somebody else telling me what my problems are. I know what my problems are. Mm-hmm. You probably don't, though. That's why you're here. Mm-hmm. So it is. Therapy's a good thing. But I feel like I've bounced around through more therapists than I have relationships. You know, I'm like a number four in a year because they keep on like leaving offices. And then with insurance problems, you can't just go to that other office because they might not accept your insurance. So I, when I was, God, how I'm 29, I was going, I started going to therapy when I was 25. So it's, to me, it's crazy how much I was 25 or 24, whatever, but it's crazy to me how much it's changed in five years, right? Like it's, it's actually insane. When I was going they didn't have a, um, like right now, and this is like the, this is one of those things where it's like, it's a great problem to have. Um, one, I, I hit the lottery with my therapist because she was my first therapist and we just hit it off. And, you know, finding the right therapist is oddly like dating. I knew for me going in, I was like, I don't want a man. I want a woman. I want someone who's a kind of near my age, but like very far removed from my situation. Um, I also didn't want someone who was an athlete. I know that sounds weird, but I didn't. I get that. Um, but I know people that have 
either struggled finding one or, you know, you move like like all of that stuff. But right now it's like it's just hard to get in the office, I almost feel like, you know, because, again, it's it's one of those things that it's like a great problem to have that so many people want to do the work now on themselves that there's just not enough therapist anymore. And it's very hard to find someone who meshes and gels with you. You know, like it's a it's a real thing. But I don't know, even if you have people in your life, like it's so hard to find friends that will let you just be really vulnerable and will let you speak. You have a good friend like that? I have I have great friends. I have great, great fucking friends. Um, I my two We'll, we'll say three. The two, um, one I've known since birth. I was the maid of honor in her wedding, my college roommate. Um, my other one I've known since I was three years old. She, they, they are my people. They are, they are just my people. And then the other one is my cousin who, um, it's so comforting because we, I just know when something's wrong with her and she knows when something's wrong with me. And it's like, it's like our little intuitive minds connecting. And she's like, what's up? And I was like, yeah, I got to talk. And there's no judgment. And I think that's the part is if you can find someone who lets you speak and doesn't judge you like that's a, that's a god that's not easy to find in people you know but when you find those people like <laughs> keep that tribe close to you man <laughs> are you terrified to turn 30 no not at all okay i turned 30 at the end of march and i know it's there's absolutely no basis behind it whatsoever it's mm-hmm. it's just another number it's just it's a number. just another year yeah but what is that that gray feeling above turning 30 that I feel the majority of people have. Why are you not terrified to turn 30? I guess is a better question. I'm not terrified to turn 30 because I know what my life, I know I know what my life is going to be like ahead. And it doesn't need to happen at 30. It doesn't. I know that with everything I'm doing, like I, I always said, I'm like, bar talk's going to change my life. Guess what? It already has. I'm sitting here with you. Like, how fucking awesome is that? It's fun. It's fun. I've met a lot of cool people. I've got to do a lot of cool things. I'm building something that I don't, I know it's going to take time, but all great things take time. So I don't feel this societal pressure and rush to buy a house, get married, have babies. I don't want to buy a house. I think buying a house right now, to be honest, I don't want to say it's stupid, but like there's a lot of change happening right now. So do I really need a 25 year mortgage? Probably not. Probably not. I know. I know it's not fun to rent. No. But it is fun to. to I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I just know. <laughs> I, I know it's cheaper to have a mortgage mm-hmm. and it's cheaper to have problems that you can control mm-hmm. and whatever. But I don't want a house. I just don't. I like the freedom of yeah. being able to bounce around. Yeah. Right? Do you look at your podcast, Bar Talk, as your your version of therapy now? It's become that. Yeah. I. Um, it's so funny because when I started off doing it, it was originally supposed to be a sports podcast. That okay. was the, the original mindset. There's so many of those. There's so many of them. And then my whole thing was like, how do you make it? different how do you make it unique can you really get like all of these people to come on week after week um and uh, that part sucks that's that's people have no idea how hard it is booking i book sports radio a four-hour show a day yeah if i didn't have two extremely talented hosts and uh in a show where our mics all four mics are open all the time you're booking four guests a day 16 guests a week for guys who are no good at the job you know, you know how hard that is? It's so hard. Why would you want to do that for a podcast? Yeah, I. it was crazy. So when I, again, started it, was went to school, like wanted to do the whole sports thing. 
Um, and uh, it was beginning of 2020. Um, I went and saw my best friend's mom, who is a psychic medium. And I said to her, I was like, I feel like, like, I just feel stuck. Like, and I just turned 27. 27 is a weird year for people, by the way. Yeah. Um, oh, I hated 27. 27 was oh. a like, like life changing year, we'll say. Okay. But I said to her, I was like, I just, like, I, I was like looking at different jobs. I had like 10 places I was looking to move. And I said, what do you see? And she's like, no, none of them. And I was like, what? And I'm like, what do I do? She's like, you're on the path. You just got to wait a little longer. And at the time she was working with another um, like highly intuitive person. And she was like, don't tell him anything we've said. I want to see what he gets. I was like, okay, like, like kind of being the test on me, the guinea pig. And he said to me, well, why does it have to be sports? And the fucking rage, I was like, I'm going to kill this man. But it was the best thing that was ever said to me. It doesn't just have to be sports. I can still talk about it. Sure. Um, but it's, pivoted now to um god like the amount of people I've, i have who reach out to me especially men and i love it and they're like listening to your show is my therapy every week and i'm like wow what a compliment like what a compliment to give and i just try to give as much as i can and i always hope that whatever i'm speaking you know the message gets through to the listener in the clearest strongest way possible so it really is it's very therapeutic but you know i still try to have fun with it so bounce around a little bit what's your favorite part about doing it outside of the people responding and people taking it in um i think it's it's how much i've grown like selfishly like the, the very selfish part of this is i feel i'm really stepping into who i've always i was put on this earth to be like, I feel like because of everything I'm doing with the podcast and with the show, I'm like, this is the version of Jenna that was always supposed to exist. And what is that? She is someone who is empathetic, caring, compassionate, a great listener who wants to create an environment that is safe enough for people to talk and to have conversations that maybe you wouldn't always have. And maybe you leave a little bit more open minded then you came in. I think that's what it is. I think I just, I have a really great ability to look at all different sides, kind of having my head on like a 360 swivel at times. And because of that, I'm able to do things and have conversations with people that um, really leave you thinking. And it's in, in a way that you're like, God, I would never have thought that, or I wouldn't have expected that from that person. And I think it's just creating that environment where, you know, like I hope hopefully I'm healing people. Hopefully it's a healing podcast. I don't know. Like maybe that sounds nuts, but I think, you know, words can be very healing. Words can be very hurtful. I try to use healing preferably. But yeah, I just I don't know. I just I love it. And it's just a it's just a good feeling. Like I just feel like this is really who I was always meant to be. One of my favorite episodes, and maybe it's just recency bias, but when you talk to your friend that uh, got rid of social media completely after yeah. being very active on social media, mm -hmm. that if I wasn't in this business and I didn't need to be on Twitter all the time and establishing a brand mm -hmm. and, and, and putting yourself out there and making sure people know who you are, what you're doing, yeah. you have to have that attached to your likeness. Yeah, I would run as far away from this hellscape as possible. And I know that might sound 
like bullshit. No, you, you, I'm, you're I'm on a, there all I'm the with time. you. I'm I'm with you. I I live on Instagram and Twitter, and yeah. I, I obviously I talk about it in therapy all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a coping mechanism for something. I don't know if it's the serotonin rush you get from social media interaction. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's 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 the worst place in the world, and it's the best place in the world all at once because. Yeah. I get to like consume your content and consume mm-hmm. content from all of the place. And I've made great friends from Twitter alone. Exactly. That, yeah. Like what the hell is it that has this, this grip on us where your identity is your social media presence? God, it's, um, I, I think you and I are, are lucky in the sense that we use this for business. I always say, like, out of everything, my all my tools for the podcast, social media is an essential tool. That's it. That's all it is. It is an essential tool to drive people to consume my content, and hopefully it gives you a little something more. Um, it's really hard because I know people um, that it's like, why are you so afraid to just show people who you are? And I, I just, I always go back to the self. Everything I'm, I, everything I'm like, it, it has nothing to do with that. I want to go back to you. I want to know why you're so afraid to show people you. Because that, that's what it comes down to. I think it's created this, again, there's like a it's, a, it's a scale. It's great because I've met amazing people. I'm sitting here because of social media talking to you. Um, but if you are going to let it control your life, and if it's the first thing you look at when you wake up, if it's the last thing you look at when you go to bed, um, like I have a rule, I plug my phone in by my coffee pot and it's okay. nowhere near me. All right, hold on. Because I was talking about this with a friend about a week ago. She plugs her phone in outside of her bedroom door. Yep. I can't do it. And that's a problem. Try. I No. Try. I can't. I Why can't. not? There's some kind of, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. How do you get rid of that attachment to a device? What am, What's going to happen if I can't wake up and, and immediately play Wordle in my bed without having to get up? What? I, it sounds so trivial and so stupid, but that's my immediate thought. Yeah. Like, I'm going to die if I can't. If I don't wake up at three o'clock in the morning and look at my phone to see if there are any notifications. So uh, have you ever heard the analogy of um, of the airplane moving? No. Okay. So you're in an airplane. The airplane is always moving. Don't really like flying either. So I don't know if this is going to apply. Well, the message will make sense. It's always moving without you realizing it. Right. Now, if you were to just get on a plane and it went from one to 90, like a sharp 90 degree turn. What would happen? You'd go flying. You'd go flying. There'd be disarray. Your head hurt. You'd probably throw up. Okay, that's the same with life. You can't make life-impacting changes going zero to 90. So you do one degree at a day. So let's say for you with your phone, maybe the first five minutes of your day when you wake up, you don't go on your phone. Just for the first five minutes. Okay, I guess I can try that. You could try that. And then maybe after a week, you're like, okay, now I'm going to try 10 minutes. And then you, and then you just slowly progress and you see, but again, it's like, you can't go from like, I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm going to be on my phone all the time to no, it's nowhere near me. Like it's, it's, it's like 
a crackhead going through withdrawals. You can't do that. You need to do it slowly, little by little. I started doing yoga in the mornings. Love that. Never been a yoga person. Never been a yoga person. It's great for breath work, great for meditating, calming yourself down, getting centered. But I feel like there has been minimal progress because those outside stressors Mm. of the phone Mm -hmm. are are still present. Or maybe I'm drinking too much coffee in the morning or something like that. Mm. But it's all like ritualistic, right? Mm -hmm. I have my routine where I play Wordle. Mm -hmm. I take the dog out. Mm -hmm. I give my dog seven seconds worth of water. I know it sounds so weird, (laughs) but it's how I measure. She's got a very active bladder and I only have a dog walker like two two or three times a week. Okay. So she gets seven seconds of water in the morning. Then we go out again right before I leave. Mm-hmm. But that in between time where I'm doing the yoga, I feel like should be helping, mm-hmm. but all it's doing is frustrating me. Why is it frustrating? Because I'm you? not good enough at the yoga yet. I'm not how long have you been doing yoga now? Like three weeks. Okay. So, like, the, okay, okay. The expectation Let, shouldn't be that I'm. Were like, uh, Were you a great radio host producer the first three weeks that you started this? No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's going to no. be the same with yoga. No. You're a beginner. Let yourself be a beginner. Let yourself learn. Let yourself give it time. Okay. I don't. I know it's not what you want to hear. I'm but not a very patient person. It's hard. To, it, listen, no one, no one is a patient person. We all want things right away. I think that's just you know, in our nature. But give it time. Keep doing the practice of it because God, like what you're gonna get in the long haul, especially like the, um, like like the with your mind. You know, even if it's just like focusing on your breath and closing your eyes and 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 just really getting in tune to yourself that is going to help you so much and again even it's it's 5 minutes 5 minutes a I'm going to try to I know you said don't go cold turkey don't go cold turkey cuz it's it it never works and then here it's like it's like we all have that person that went cold turkey on a diet right and then they come back and then they gain like 45 right. extra pounds so don't just leave it outside of my room tonight don't do it tonight maybe put it like a foot, two feet away from your bed. Talk to me about your most recent episode of Bar Talk where you talk about dating just being the odds of probability. Oh my God, I was hoping you were going to bring this up. Yeah, um, I like this conversation. No, yeah. So I follow a guy. He's a Chicago podcaster by the name of Case Kenny. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, no. Um, he, I, I'd love to meet him. Case, if you hear this, love to meet you. Um, but he basically had this theory that, you know, dating is a numbers game. And you have to just keep swinging. It's like roulette. And so that's kind of been my... my you can't say you got to keep swinging when you're talking about dating. Well... That, that could mean... That's aggressive. But a lot of things. It's a lot of things. But you just... You got to keep putting yourself out there, which again, very hard. It was something that, um, God, like old me would have been like, never. Absolutely never. I'm you're never. talking about like entertaining multiple... No, not 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 like no, no. So it's like it's like just being willing to to talk to someone, going to a bar, having a conversation with someone in person. Maybe it goes well, and you're like, okay, let's get drinks another time. Um, But being honest, you know, um, I was like briefly talking to someone, great dude, and I just said to him flat out, I was like, listen, you're great, 
this is not going to work. And I don't want to keep stringing you along because I have a lot of respect for you. I think you're a great person, but I just don't see this going anywhere. That's one of the hardest things to do. It's so hard. You but didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I, I didn't right? want to hurt his feelings. I really didn't. But he was like, I really appreciate you being straight up with me. And he was a very like direct person, which I really um, like l- really liked about him. And and I was like, wish you nothing. Like, seriously, like, I hope you find what you want. And he's like, same to you. So it's very... Um, I don't know it like worked out it worked out well but like you can't expect someone to come knocking on your door you know um you have to be willing to put yourself out there and be a little uncomfortable and again no one likes that I didn't but I was like let's just see like let's just see if you talk to someone how does it feel um what is that for you? What's being uncomfortable for you? Are you talking about the apps? Are you talking about approaching somebody oh, at a well, bar? I, I hate the apps. I I was on them in the beginning of 2020. And I was like, we're going to like put ourselves out there. Let's just see how this goes. I did. I went on a few Bumble dates. They were not fun. The one guy did not look like his photo, but Ooh. I didn't have the heart to leave. How, just, how, how different? Just like. Like photos are probably six, seven years old. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very old. Um, and then the other one, I think I got catfished. I got catfished. Yeah. I think I got catfished. Yep. And so I was like, all right. I was like, no, none of this makes sense. So we're just like, we're just going to bounce. Um. So what's that now? now? Approaching people at bars? Now it's, I think it's... Um, or being open to being, being approached. It's being open to it. It's okay. being open to be approached. Because for the longest time, I was like, I don't want it. I don't want it. And when you say that, you actually like put up a like, it's almost like a cloak and people can tell. It's body language. It's body language. Yeah. People can tell when you're open to it and can, people can tell you she, yeah, he or she don't want shit. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fucking with her. But now it's like, I'm, I'm open to it. I'm also very comfortable with who I am, which I think is the biggest part. I think you need to like really date yourself. And I think you need to love yourself before you're willing to let someone else fully love you. Um, But like then I had to change my mindset. Like and that was something my therapist said, too. She's like, what's your relationship like with you? And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I hate myself. I was like, Sammy, why do you think I'm here? Yeah. But so I was like, okay, we need to like date me. I need to like take care of me. I need to love me. And so that was kind of that was my what started got a few years ago, 20 July 2019 started dating myself. What's your fear of rejection like? That's always been my Ooh. biggest uh, what do you hurdle? Hurdle. Where I can talk, I can open, yeah, I can keep a conversation going, but it's the act of approaching and being terrified that you're gonna get a drink thrown in your face. That'll never happen. Right. But like right. just the even the nicest sorry I'm not interested, yeah, would send me down a spiraling tunnel. And I'd never talk to another woman for weeks. Oh, God. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but you get it. I understand. I totally understand what you're saying. I think for, I don't want to say I don't know if I have fear because that sounds really wrong to say, but I think where I'm at now, um, like a few years ago, I think my fear would have been like someone just completely ghosting me and me never finding out why and being like, okay, I don't understand. Like we hit it off. We had great conversation. You're telling me all these things and then you're just going to like up and never speak to me again. Like, I think the fear of not knowing why something ended always bothered me. Now, again, and this everything comes back to the self now because I'm in a good place with me. I I don't I don't really have those fears anymore because I think now I'm like, I know who I am. And and so I'm like, if you if this isn't going to work, 
okay, that means the universe has something better. Again, is it the best or worst thing ever that's ever happening to you? Getting rejected. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Nobody knows. No one knows. You don't know. But I, again, like I know that's not like, like a great answer because no, I mean, we all have fears, but I think because of how comfortable I feel with myself now, um, if it doesn't work out, like obviously in the moment you're like, God, this sucks. Like just happened to me in January, like totally put myself out there. Like was like seeing this guy on and off for a while. And I was like, we're adults. Let's try. Let's try. Let's see if this is something that we can do. And you know, if, and if, and if it works great and if not, then we know, but like, I don't want to look back and say we never tried. Okay, so back up a little bit. What's the difference for you? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a conversation my friends and I have all the time. What's the difference for you between that seeing stage into the, oh, we're kind of dating, dating, but we're not dating, 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 you know, but is this a situationship? Is this a flirtationship? Yeah. Flirtationship is a, is a word that I learned this summer. I didn't know that there, that was a thing. I didn't know it either, and all it does is break your heart. Yeah. That it's just somebody in your life you're always going to flirt with. Mm. Nothing's ever going to come of it. Yeah. But it's just they're keeping you there for that reason, or you're keeping them there for that reason. So what's the jump from seeing somebody, and what is seeing somebody, to dating somebody? God, I'll let you know when I figure it out. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would have the same answer. so serious. Like, I've gone out with this girl four times, right? Okay. But- What's what's after that? I think this is where um, you have to be, God. Like I'm kind of I'm kind of seeing someone now. We'll say sure, cool dude. Um, and what's great about it is like the communication is just clear. It's so hot. I didn't even know that that was something. It's so hot. Like as a woman who like loves to like I'm like I just I'm I'm very direct. I'm very blunt. Um. For some guys, that's a total turnoff. He's just that way back with me. I'm like, that's I'm like, fantastic. It's the first time it's happened for you. Oh my god, it's the first time it's happened. Um, but I, I think now we're where we're at. It's like let's see if, like let let's just let's just organically see where this goes. That's like, and so I'm not. It's like we enjoy hanging out. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's easy. So let's just see. But we're not putting like a. I don't want to say putting a label on it because that sounds so like childish, but I think like, I really don't know. Like, cause I, I really haven't been, God, my last like relationship was like, <laughs> how old was I? 21. Really? Yeah. It's been eight years since you had a real relationship. But uh, yeah, I like mean, an official relationship. Yeah. Like I have this thing. You're not missing anything. I'm not missing much. No. Um, but it's, it, and this is a little bit of stubbornness and a little bit of like, I don't really know if I want to, but no, I just, um, I just never felt the desire, but I also never met anyone that I've wanted to try with. Okay. Yeah. What's the future of bar talk with Jenna? God. Um, because now I'm just getting depressed about dating. I'm sorry. I wish I had better answers for you. No, it's it's not your answers. It's, um, it's the, it's the, the self-aware that we were being self-aware that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. when you said I've never met someone that I wanted to try with, holy shit! Yeah, that um, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one to sit on. Yeah, it's weird because um, there's been a lot of great almost. Sure, 
you know? Yeah, but there's always like a some kind of missing piece. Yeah. Right. And I think you know. Yeah, you know, of like course. You're, you're, you know you're, right away, though. Your, your gut, your gut tells you. Yeah. Your gut tells you. You just, you're, you either choose to listen or not. Yeah. You're trying to find that last bit that's not there. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's never going to be there. Never. But you're looking for it anyway. Yeah. What's the future of the podcast? Future of the podcast. Um. Got it. Just. And do you do it out of Shinix? I, I have from time to time. That's I have a, one of my favorite things. Yeah, I have a studio in my house. Like I've just completely. I mean, that is my house. It's yeah. like it's like it's like I wake up, see the bar, go to bed, see the bar. Everything is the bar. Bar, 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 bar. Um, future of the podcast. If I'm looking at it, it's one. It's giving me financial freedom in a way where I can grow a team and have people who believe in me in this vision and really take it somewhere, whether that's getting picked up by a company, going to, I don't really know how I feel about going to a network, to be honest, because yeah. I think TV's dying. Um, but in terms of like a streaming service, you know, I'd be, I'd totally be open to that. But I think the future of Bar Talk is just continuing to do it. Like, like I, I, my, that could my, be the hardest part. Too. It's I, my saying when people ask me how, how's the podcast going? I say day by day, brick by brick, day by day, brick by brick. I'm building, I'm building a solid foundation and I need to do one brick at a time. And eventually when you look back at the wall you're building, you're like, damn, it's a good looking wall. Shit. It's a pretty high wall. All right. Yeah. We're going to keep building it. So I don't really, I don't want to say I don't know, but I, I mean, I have ideas and visions for what I want for this um you know but i'm also willing and open to whatever the universe is going to send my way so whenever i like set my intentions with bar talk you know whether it's i want to get picked up i want to have a fat sponsorship i want to get this guest on and i end it with or something better or something better because when you end it with or something better you leave it open to the universe saying like you think you want this little teddy bear? I got a giant one behind my back. Let me give it to you. Because You're so right. You don't need therapy anymore. You've hit I've self-actualization. Hit, I, I have. Like, yeah. and it, it believe me, it took a long time. That's some profound shit. Yeah, I've, it took a long time, but I'm very, um, I'm very happy with it. And I think because of everything I've learned in therapy, because of that horrific thing that happened to me, I needed to go through it. Like, I know that. I, it was. The, here's the thing: is like, I actually have gratitude now to those two verbally abusive narcissistic coaches because I am the most caring, compassionate, empathetic human being that is able to give something to people hoping that they can take it and use it in their life. And and to me, it's like, that's winning. That's winning. Thank you very much for driving up to Taurus Central here today. Appreciate you leaving the South Side to have a conversation <laughs> and some bourbon. Oh yeah, cheers. I'm gonna, I guess I'm throwing this back. <laughs> there you go. I didn't, you didn't have to drink the whole thing. No, it's too late. You can't no. you can't pour me a drink and expect me not to finish You're right. it. I finished mine like 20 minutes ago. I feel like such a degenerate. Oh my God. If I didn't drink so much last night, I'd probably ask you to pour me another glass. <laughs> I drank a lot last night. Like oh, too no. much last night. But sometimes you need it. Oh my God. Sometimes, I hate using that word no, but it's, need because it, that's bad. Like when you start talking about needing a drink. It relaxes you. It helps everything. It relaxes you. It fixes so many things until it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for coming by. Oh, my God. No, thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 